0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of Orange Fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz.
1: The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into this week's preview Fizzcast. Ian Unsworth alongside John Eads. This week, the 1-2 Syracuse Orange take on 0-4 Duke. Good to be back, Ian, after a week off. Looking forward to this one. Duke
0: winless on the year. 0-4 coming off a loss to Virginia Tech. And Syracuse obviously coming off a bye, like I just said. Second game in a row at home of a three-game homestand.
1: 1-2 and two on the year. Looking to get back to 500. Duke, worst start since 2006. That 0-4 mark also lost to Notre Dame, B.C., and UVA. Before that loss to Virginia Tech last week, John, Virginia Tech missing 21 players including their entire two deep at cornerback yeah
0: not, uh, not a good look for Duke Virginia Tech a very solid team when they're at full strength um, Of course you don't want to lose to what looks appears to be mainly their second team starting at every position but uh, a 38-31 decision there so very high scoring um, but yeah like you said Ian uh, not a good not a good look. Uh, especially considering all the losses
1: Virginia Tech had personnel wise. Before we get into breaking down the Duke team, let's start it with a little fizz factoid. So, Duke's head coach, obviously David Cutcliffe, known quarterback whisperer for the Mannings, uh, took over play calling this year. So, our fizz factoid is where did David Cutcliffe coach before taking the head job at Duke? We'll have the answer at the end of the show. So, John, let's get into this Blue Devil offense. Quarterback Chase Bryce, obviously the Clemson transfer. If you were a Syracuse fan, you know that name, right? Played against the Orange in 2018 in Death Valley when the whole Kelly Bryant-Trevor Lawrence saga reached its peak. Bryant tra- well, got hurt, l- left the program, transferred to Missouri, whatever. That happened, and then Lawrence stepped in. First game as a freshman starting quarterback. Got hurt throughout the middle of the game. Chase Bryce steps in, plays extremely well for a backup who had no gleam of seeing game action two weeks beforehand. He stepped in, made the right reads. Remember, there's that one big run he had and then the other pass interference call to lead Clemson down the field to eat that one out in 2018, put one of the losses on Syracuse's 10-3 and mark that year. But Chase Bryce still doesn't do it for me as a starting quarterback. Yeah, he hasn't been very impressive so far,
0: Ian. I mean... Don't get me wrong, this excited a lot of people in Durham. He brings a lot of good things to the table. I think he's an upgrade from what Duke had last year at the quarterback position, but through 4 games, uh 52 completion percentage, 3 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, and you know, kind of some recurring themes here between Syracuse's
1: offense and Duke's. He's been sacked 16 times. It's it's a strange one. It's a strange one, but it's something that I'm not surprised about it because you see Clemson and you think everything's going to be fixed. And Cutcliffe's the quarterback whisperer, as I said beforehand. And mm-hmm. you get a Clemson guy in there and now the world's just going to turn for Duke. But you can't really help a quarterback if you don't have top-tier personnel around him. That's what they have at Clemson. And Duke, just not so much. Uh, I mean, flanking Bryce in the backfield most of the time is going to be either Deion Jackson or Mateo Durant. Jackson, he's a guy that's been around a long time, 1,500 career rushing yards for the Blue Devils. But, John, I got to say, I like what I see out of Durant better than what I see from Jackson. It's a pretty good one-two punch, but Durant's certainly been the guy that
0: stepped up and kind of taken the reins at that top spot in the backfield for Duke, and he was pretty impressive last year. and He's off to a great start this year. They also got Noah Gray, who's going to be Bryce's has been and will probably continue to be Bryce's favorite target. There, the big tight end, nineteen receptions for two hundred three yards, and he's led Duke in receptions each game this year. He was
1: the Blue Devils' second leading receiver last season as well. And the Blue Devils' receivers are all right, but very young. They're young and they're not anything to you know call your mom about. <laughs> I guess the big the big name would be a uh, Eli Pankle, but. He dropped a ball last week, and it turned into an interception. These receivers are decent. Penko's the deep threat. Other guys like Damon Philion, Johnson, who we saw a lot of last year, Jalen Calhoun as well, they'll get open in the, the middle of the field, but they're not exactly guys that will take the top off of a defense. And you also got Jalen Calhoun, who was the leading receiver for Duke
0: last year, I believe as a freshman, uh, redshirt or not, not very sure, but led the team in receiving last year. Uh, was second in the team in receptions behind Noah Gray. 46 receptions, 420 yards, and four touchdowns. So he's a name you'll probably be hearing, but that's the main catalyst, Ian, for this Duke team, really for Chase Bryce's performance this year. It's been the O-line struggles. He's been sacked 16 times, and they don't really have a lot of weapons on the outside, outside
1: of Noah Gray. And overall, this Duke offense, nothing to really think that, well, okay, let's let's just be very quaint here. This Duke offense should not be beating the Syracuse defense down the field. They
0: shouldn't be running up and down the field on them. No, I mean, they're not even the the passing game is not as explosive as Georgia Tech's will be. So really, it's it's the run game. Can you shut down the run game, which is going to be a key to the game? We'll get into that. Uh, but one last thing, I wanted to put uh, you know note on this offense. This is the first year that Cutcliffe's been calling the plays. He took over the play calling duties this season. And they haven't been very spectacular. They actually lead the nation in turnovers given away with 15. So, uh, like you said, Ian, if there's a, a unit that's presenting a challenge this weekend for Syracuse, I don't think it's the offense.
1: But it might be the defensive line. Already Absolutely. 12 sacks and two guys that can really make an impact on the edge. Uh, Victor Demikahi, I believe that that's the pronunciation. Victor Demikahi. Four sacks already on the other edge. Chris Rumpf the second, one and a half sacks. These are guys that can get to the quarterback. And last week, Duke drew up some nice pressure blitzes to get to uh, Virginia Tech as well. They've looked good all year. They looked good against Notre Dame.
0: Chris Rumpf was a known commodity. These two combined for over 15 sacks last year. So they got some chemistry between the two. And they're probably the, you know, the best players on the defense considering... Uh, their best secondary member, Mark Gilbert, is out and won't play. He got injured against Boston College a couple weeks ago, former uh, first-team All-ACC in 2017, you know, uh, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, yes, Dee and Rumpf are known commodities, and Syracuse is going to have to game plan around them, and they did that last
1: year, and I think it worked for the most part. Uh, it worked pretty darn well. But the strange thing is, even though Duke's D-line is, the, I guess, the best part of their defense, last week, the defensive line got torn up. Khalil Herbert of Virginia Tech, 20 carries, 208 yards, two touchdowns. We know they're good pass rushers,
0: but you know you can have all the good pass rushers you want, rushers you want. It doesn't mean anything when it comes to stopping the run game. You need to have good defensive tackles. You need to be big inside, and you got to be good at the linebacker position. And they're not. They're very young, and they don't have a lot of returning production and experience there. Um, so that's you know that's going to happen. So maybe
1: that might be. Uh, something Syracuse will exploit this year, you know, with Sean Tucker, Gerard Jordan. Yeah. I'd like some Sean Tucker. Duke does run a 4-2-5, so that's another reason they have that linebacker deficiency. Uh, we, we've we seen that with Syracuse last week against Georgia Tech. Not having that extra backer in there, sometimes the second level is easily exploited, especially because you can't rely on defensive backs to make tackles, especially against big running backs. Dion Jackson... Is six nothing two twenty. That might some cause some trouble for Syracuse, but Sean Tucker at five ten two hundred runs like a bull. Mm-hmm. You got that right. And yeah, I just I don't know.
0: Last year, you know, they had this these same guys, you know, and, and then some, and they just Syracuse beat Duke last year forty nine to six. I'm sure you a lot of you remember that game, and Duke only had one sack in that game. So, um, You know, that's actually a good segue into our keys to the game.
1: Go for it. Go um, for it. What's
0: your key? So my key, same as last year, and same as what you saw against Georgia Tech, get the ball out of DeVito's hands. Give him quick, easy reads. Get the ball moving. Orange is the new fast. You know, all of that. Get the ball on the perimeter. Don't even give Duke a chance to get in there and cause havoc in the backfield.
1: You know how you get the ball out of DeVito's hands? How Ian. You give it to Tucker. Hey, that works. You give it to Sean Tucker and you let Sean Tucker drive this offense up and down the field. Sean Tucker, the trucker, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> you just you just keep giving the ball to Sean Tucker. Let him work inside, off the tackles, then give it to Jordan in the passing game, swing it out of the backfield, make these linebackers work as hard as they possibly can. And then once the linebackers are tired, run a couple play action fakes. Him deep. Tucker can certainly hit the century mark once again, I think.
0: I, I would not be surprised if he does. And yeah, like you said, uh, you could set up the play action and hey, maybe that's where you get the tight ends involved, you know? And of course, you got Nikeem Johnson, Taj Harris on the outside who are still running free from those Georgia Tech secondaries
1: today. Oh, yes. I would love to see another big game out of Nikeem Johnson. I'm not sure if it'll be going deep, going deep, going deep every single week. That's but Special if, teams, maybe. Uh, special teams. If he can find his way in a couple drag routes over the middle, that'll work. John, you mentioned the tight ends, and that it was our another big key to the game. Red zone efficiency. Syracuse has not been great in the red zone this year, and also the special teams has been very shaky. So how does Syracuse convert in the red zone? I think it starts with the tight ends. The tight ends,
0: but I think they found their answer last game. Sean Tucker scored the first red zone touchdown for Syracuse all season. He carried the ball I think six times on a short field off of a turnover and then finally punched it in from four yards out. So I think the answer is the run game. Give the ball to Sean Tucker. You don't need to do anything crazy, you know, bring Rex Culpepper in, run some fake jet sweep action stuff. No. Just hand the ball off to Sean Tucker. Let him break a tackle. Let him go to work.
1: And let's flip the field here. Syracuse defensively the key's gotta be pressure, right? We have to get we have to get dudes on the head of Chase Bryce. That is how the experienced secondary, well even not the experienced secondary members, the young guys, can come up with some picks, can come up with some pass breakups, make Chase Bryce uncomfortable because that offensive line will bend and they will fold eventually. And it all comes from the scheme of Tony White, drawing up Mikel Jones, Stefan Thompson, Steve Linton, getting those guys in the backfield. And also letting Josh Black, McKinley Williams, Kingsley Jonathan, let those guys do their thing.
0: Hey, we said it. I mean, Duke's given up 16 sacks in four games, and you know, obviously they played some pretty solid defenses—Virginia, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Boston College, even shoot. Um, but you, you bet, Tony White's looking at the film of those games and figuring out where he wants to attack. He's been—he's been. He's been pressure-heavy in every game this year. He loves to send the pressure. So I think he's going to do it and then some against Duke.
1: Feel free. Um, So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully with this extra week of preparation, Tony White knows when to send that blitz, when to not send the blitz. Also, when to work off the D-line stunts because that was my only issue with White's play calling last week. Sometimes the D-line was out of position. They were doing a lot of stunting, crossing over on the offensive linemen. That's why Georgia Tech was so successful in the running game. Jameer Gibbs had gaps because the defensive linemen had vacated them. So once Tony White gets good film study in on this Blue Devil offense and can really know what situations to call, what pressures, then I think Syracuse, the defense, will be flying around at a high level. Yeah, you make a great point. Uh, on, on downs where you think they're going
0: to run, when you think they're going to run the ball, you don't send pass, you know, pass pressure stunts. No, just plug gaps. Send the linebackers downhill. Duke's offense is ran through the run game, so you should be running defensive blitzes to counter the run. You know, you shouldn't have to be running so many stunts because. Georgia Tech had a lot of weapons on the outside, you know, and the run game as well. So, I think this week, Tony White has a better idea of what he's going
1: to see so he can be, you know, a little more conventional with his approach. I'm going to qualify your point there. I don't think Georgia Tech really has weapons on the outside, but I would definitely rate Jameer Gibbs a better, uh, I would rate him higher than anything we're going to see out of the Duke backfield this weekend. I don't disagree with that. So, let's move to our little betting segment. You know, it's our favorite. So... (laughs) For some reason, Vegas has Duke as a one and a half point favorite on Sunday. Well, on Sunday. And the line is grown. And it's grown today. It is a two and a half Duke spread. I I don't think you can take Duke in any sense. I'm hammering Syracuse
0: <laughs> to win this one. I'm laughing at this, honestly. I mean, on what basis are you giving Duke a two and a half point favorite? They haven't won a game. They're traveling on the road. Syracuse is coming off a bye. Hopefully, we'll have the injured players back, uh, you know, at Cisco, at Coley, uh, or they will have the injured players back. Uh, I just don't see on what grounds you're giving Duke the two and a half points here.
1: It just doesn't make any sense to me. And I mean, Dino Babers is the only coach that has seen Chase Bryce before, so maybe the the Vegas dudes think Chase Bryce has some scheme built up in his head to topple the Syracuse Orange, but... I don't think it's going to happen. I'm sure, John, you don't think it's going to happen either. Uh, we'll have our predictions up pretty soon on the Orange Fizz website. You can check those out at orangefizz.net and also on Twitter at Orange Fizz. What's
0: Athlon saying? We, we,
1: we always give the Athlon score. Okay, the Athlon score is Duke 21, SU 17. <laughs> I think that's also wrong. <laughs> I mean... We, I could
0: see it, but in the inverse.
1: And in the, in the inverse, yes, but I think Syracuse is going to win by at least a touchdown... I, I would say Syracuse is coming out this one and an easy win, at least clinched by the fourth quarter. You think we put up thirty, or they put up thirty? Syracuse puts up thirty. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's there's no way if if Syracuse can go crazy like that against Georgia Tech, Syracuse can definitely do it against Duke. Both defenses are weak, and to, if Tommy DeVito can keep building that confidence, we didn't even talk about Tommy DeVito because. He looked, I didn't have a problem with how he played last week. He's a starting quarterback. He's the starting quarterback, yes. No doubt about it now. And if he keeps building confidence, Syracuse should be putting up 30 balls over these next two games.
0: Well, there you have it. Ian's score prediction, that kickoff is at 1230 on Saturday. I know it's weird. I, you heard that correctly. 1230. No delays this time, hopefully. <laughs> and it will be tell well, it's kind of televised. If ESPN3 is a channel, which I don't think it is. So you might have to plug this one in with your HDMIs and your laptops, to put it
1: on your TV, but you guys will figure it out. <laughs> one last thing our Fizz factoid answer David Cutcliffe coached at Old Miss, and he coached from the 1998 bowl game to 2004. For John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth saying thank you for listening to the Duke Preview Fizzcast and Go Orange.